Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Hyphen Gaming. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about video games and industry news. But the bigger picture is about exploring gaming as art and what it has to say about life, culture, and faith. Perhaps you're already thinking about these things. Or maybe you're just curious about what we can learn from video games. Either way, we're glad to have you, and we hope you enjoy the show. I'm glad you can make it, Matt. I was, uh, we were expecting to just uh, do the show with just me and Chelsea today. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. What are you, what are you doing for Mother's Day? Uh, we went to this berry festival in Roseville. So, like, uh, it, it was, like, all different types of, like, strawberries and raspberry stuff. My mom loves berries. So we went to that. And we basically just took, like, my two-year-old niece around, and she ran around and did stuff. And then we ate a bunch of berry-related items. Really? So, yeah. uh, interesting fact, uh, avocados are berries. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, my God. So are um, several other things. Like, I think an orange. No. Yeah, an orange might be a berry as well. Aren't pepper, peppercorns are berries, I, I believe. Peppercorns? Is yeah. that is is a pepper like the peppercorn from a fruit? Is it a seed of a fruit? I'm not sure. I, I yeah, like because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, before you grind it into pepper, peppercorns are like red berries. Oh, okay, that, that might make sense. Yeah, the the definition of berry is like really broad, and I just found out because uh, the other day so, someone was like. Um, so I'm kind of like considered the science guy around the office. So then uh, like the other day, someone <laughs> slacked me. They're like, hey, come over here. Explain to us why avocados are berries. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have to look it up myself. And yeah, apparently they're berries. Anyways. Well, bananas grow off of herb trees. Herb trees? <clears throat> it's an herb. A banana is an herb? I thought, I thought maybe they were berries as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I still don't know what a berry everything's is. A berry yeah, everything's a berry. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is a berry technically, but the tree is like it's not a tree; it's an herb plant. What's the difference between an herb and a tree? <laughs> not just kidding. I don't know. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, yeah. took a class on it, but I don't remember now. <laughs> Ooh, guys! Quick note before we start: um, Could we do my article after Chelsea's? Because I think it's a good counterpoint to what the guy talks about with his bummy article. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Sure. Let's do it. Well, I already started recording, so we already started. That's fine. Oh. <laughs> so if everyone, so if you guys don't know, you guys are listening to uh, Hyphen Gaming. This is a bi-weekly podcast where me, Matt, and Chelsea we just get together and talk about games and industry news, and um, yeah, just Aries. catch up, catch up on what's going on. Yeah, and, and apparently uh, we talk about fruit as well and uh, horticulture. Is that what it is? Shout out to fruit. Shout out to, <laughs> shout out to berries. Um, but yeah, what do you guys? What have you guys been playing this week? I can start. I you finally recently, played something. I know it's so exciting. I just finished my exams last week, and I decided to treat myself to a Steam game called Oxenfree. It's an indie game that is both freaky and also really fun. Um, I'm the kind of person who cannot handle anything horror related. Like to give you an example, like Matt, you guys played Fatal Frame growing up. That game destroyed me as a child. <laughs> and I, you know that one movie, Monster House. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like an animated film. When I, I think I was in middle school or high school, I'm pretty sure middle school, I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> I don't think that movie is supposed to be scary at all. It's right. I mean, it's creepy, but it's not supposed to cause a child distress, or in this case, in case an adolescent. But well, Chelsea, I'm not far off from you. My friends were brave. I was usually like in the kitchen peeking out at the living room while yeah. they were playing. <laughs> And while I did love it and I played a little bit, anytime I played, I did what I would normally do in real life and was that, which was walk slowly and hide. <laughs> walk slowly and hide. Ugh. You know, I can't do that with this game, Oxen Free, because I have to uh, stay at the keyboard and move around and stuff. But it, it's a really good game. It's um, mechanically, it's super simple. It's like a, somewhat of a. Mostly a 2D side-scroller type thing, a um, little bit of 3D action in your movement of the character. But you're basically, you play as this girl named Alex, and uh, she's supposed to hang out um, with her friends on this island that they later fi- find out that's kind of haunted somewhat. And so you're trapped there being haunted by these, um, they're not really they're not really ghosts, but they kind of, that's like the best way to describe them. I won't say anything more than that. Um, and they're trying to keep you on the island and you're trying to find a way out to save yourself, your friends, etc. So they're ghosts, but not really ghosts. Right. More complicated than ghosts. More, com- a little bit more complicated. Hey, interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah I just, it has I, a sci-fi feel. I just watched the trailer and it looks super scary. Is it is right. the trailer scarier than it's actually it actually is, or is it like misleading, <gasps> or is it as scary as the trailer seems? It's all staticky it's prob- and like yeah, yeah. So you, I don't know, man. Like it it freaks me out just because, and I don't know why I played it anyway, why I want to play it again. But I think uh, the it's interesting because like there are a lot of scenes where it is a little more like creepy, but the art style and the dialogue between the characters kind of balances out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not as scary as, like, say, and if you're playing Bioshock or something. Hmm. <laughs> so is it, is it like, uh, have you played The Binding of Isaac? I have not. Okay. That, that game was, it's kind of like a 2D side-scroller almost. It's from the same viewpoint as the original Zelda games. Mm-hmm. And it, that game was really creepy for me. I was... Uh, I couldn't play it too much. It was very sad, but yeah, yeah. For sure. I'll take a look at the trailer. I haven't gotten to check it out. Yeah, check it out. I, I mean, the major part of the game is like the way you build relationships with the other with the girls' friends because most of the mechanics is you know you don't fight or kill anything. Um, it's a, this really intellectual dialogue system that the game uses, where the like the speaking between the characters is like seamless. You can choose what you want to say and how to respond. You can make characters hate you, or you could like have good relationships with other characters. Um, and there so multiple little, endings. Multiple endings. Awesome. So, yeah, check I, it out. I don't out. know how it's I feel about multiple first... endings. I feel like, oh, I got to do it all. I, I want, <sighs> yeah. I want to keep doing it. I want to get the real ending or I want to know if there is a real ending, things like that. Right. That bothers, that bothers it's a little, exists. what's that? It's why YouTube exists. You play one time through <laughs> And you get your ending, then you YouTube all the other endings. Yeah, that's, that's not what a bad I idea. did today. It was terrible. It was a great use of my time. I like so I, my first playthrough was only five hours, um, and then I was like, oh my god, I'm so tripped out and unsatisfied, and then went on YouTube, 
went on this great journey of fan theories and al- other alternate endings. So, uh, it's a good game. I, I think you guys should check it out. Are all the endings like on like are they equal or is there like a bad ending, good ending, true ending, things like that? They're all equal. Okay, I guess that's not terrible then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I games can be rough when they hide the true ending, especially like I I, I think it was Silent Hill Two, which again is a guy who don't who doesn't like and doesn't really play scary games. I don't know why I sat through that whole game with my friends, but there was I believe one one true ending and then a sad ending and one where an alien skips through a field with a dog or something like that. Huh. Japanese games sometimes will throw in an ending that's not actually an ending or isn't related. Uh, they, they did that a lot in the PS2 days. They just throw something weird in there. But hmm. I, I it, it was hard, especially for a game that's scary, to want to go back in. And redo it all. And play through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not less scared the second time around. Yeah, yeah no, totally. I agree. I, I think so. Okay, so to explain why this game is like has wrapped a lot of people into it, too, is because there's a lot of sci-fi elements and like idea of time and interdimensional crap and getting stuck in time. Okay, that's all I'm going to say if you guys... Yeah, I'm curious. I'm, I'm putting it on my <laughs> wish list. Uh, I'll see if I can muster up the courage to play it. Yeah, it's Maybe definitely not as sale. like... Not like horror, but it's more of like supernatural thriller. But it's not like demon type, like scary exorcist kind of thing. I mean, I saw it has something to do with like radio frequencies, and usually that freaks me the heck out. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. All right. The Conjuring. Wait, hold on a second, Chelsea. You're kind of a, a little too loud, and Matt's like really not loud at all. Okay. See if you guys. Can... better. No. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. There you go. There you go. You're good. Okay. And then you went away. What 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 about now? Yeah, I think you're better, Chelsea. Oh. This is okay? Yeah, you just you can just like turn the gain knob on your on your Yeti mic, you can turn it down a little bit. <laughs> and then Matt, I don't know what's going on with Matt. He's Was I was I coming in out of focus that whole time? Yeah, now you're good. I don't know if you're putting your finger over the mic or something or what, but uh, might it might be my case. Um, huh. You sound good right I, now. Yeah, it's just stupid close to my face. I could probably switch yeah. to a computer if that makes it easier. Uh, let, let's keep going. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. So, what have you been playing, Matt? So um, I've been playing a couple of older games, and the reason that is is because I found out that Gamefly streaming is available on my uh, 4K. Oh, nice. And Yeah, I, I've never actually looked into the apps that are related to the What is Gamefly? So Gamefly is a video game rental service similar to old school Netflix, where you could rent any game that's out right now if it's in stock, and they'll mail out a copy to you. And they now have a streaming service that you could stream to certain uh, 4K TVs. So some LGs, some Samsungs, and I think maybe a couple of Sony TVs. And it, it might be available some, uh, on non-TV devices, like maybe through like a Fire TV or something along those lines. Hmm. But uh, for me, it's done directly through my TV. And I, you know, I was thinking about buying a game. And I decided, oh, well, 
they have sleeping dogs on this, and I was going to pick up the uh, deluxe edition of sleeping dogs that they have released on PS4. And uh, instead, I decided to sign up for Gamefly Streaming, which I think it's in kind of like its test phase right now, because it had Sleeping Dogs on it. So I've been playing Sleeping Dogs, and that, that's been pretty fun. I've been replaying Hitman Absolution, which is one of my favorites in the Hitman series. Really? That's like some of people's most hated. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> and I get that. I, but I really did. I just enjoyed a lot of the little kills they had in there. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think it was the newer Hitman that came out on. It was the first one I think on PS4. Yeah, like terrible at it. So, I'm I'm enjoying that one a lot. Yeah, see, I need to try that. So, I've just been having a good time, kind of playing those games and hopping in and out. I, I enjoy that it can save your progress, but you just go pretty quickly into a game, then you could hop into another. They have the whole Lego Batman series, and I love those games. So that's been nice. Yeah. And then on top of that, I've been playing uh, mostly Persona. I, you know, I just I forgot to save the other day and then died. So no. I, I had to just put my controller down, <laughs> sigh, and turn off the TV. Uh, but I'll, I'll get back to that. Uh, and I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to actually picking up either Injustice 2 or, you know, maybe giving The Surge a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so a few things I'm looking forward to playing, but right now it's really been just taking a stroll on memory lane for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I got I got to send you a copy of the Surge. Um, so I've had Persona Five for several weeks now, but I accidentally started playing the Surge, and uh, it's good. And just to be completely transparent, my company is publishing this game. Um, I'm not trying to plug it. Um, there are plenty of games we put out that I, you know, I, I'm, whatever, we, you know, we have farming simulator, we have a, a golf game, we have a hunter, you know, like I'm not, I'm not trying to plug those games. The surge, I'm actually like, man, this game is good. It's, <laughs> it's a sci-fi dark souls and I'm surprised at how much I'm liking it. I'm liking it more than Neo at the point, at this point. And I'm ashamed to say I've put in like 25 hours into the game already. Um, nice, man. yeah, so that's what I've been playing. Uh, you, you know, uh, we, you sent us a link to the game to check it out a few weeks ago. Yeah, and trailer. I watched, yeah, I watched the trailer. But I've been watching some folks uh, upload videos onto YouTube of more in-depth gameplay, and it looks really good. I don't think the trailer did it justice. The the trailer, I think I sent you just like a combat trailer. It was just like severing limbs and fighting <laughs> and things like that. You, you know, but yeah, yeah, if you watch it in context, no, it, it's really cool to see the mechanics and things like that. Right, and I, it, it was really cool to see. I was surprised at how much detail they put into the surrounding world. Because, to be quite frank, when I heard that it was going to be like Dark Souls, but with more of a sci-fi theme, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was a little skeptical about how they were going to vary the different surroundings that you had. Because yeah. I feel like in a lot of sci-fi games, or just games in space in general, people get caught up in doing that kind of like gray dreary spaceship vibe but it seems like they've done a good job of varying things so it's not just hitting a kind of one note imagery scale throughout the whole game yeah so someone else that pointed that out that uh like there are like blue skies in the game <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which is a, which is like maybe a first in the in in this genre but yeah i appreciated that i i noticed the blue skies too it's funny that you bring that up yeah there's some color for sure. 
But yeah, so that's what I'm playing. I'll send you guys a copy, uh, hopefully soon. Woo um, So let's get into perks some uh, perks, perks of, of knowing Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I have my perks knowing Sony because they send me Sony games. Um, <laughs> nice. So let's get into some news real quick. Uh, I know we have some pretty interesting articles that you guys uh, want to share this week. Uh, mine's not terribly um, deep or anything like that. Or controversial, but um, just interesting. Um, it, there was just a survey done uh, among non-gamers to see if how to see how familiar people are with the Switch, the Nintendo Switch. Um, and I had to say Nintendo Switch because I don't know you, some of you guys listening might not know what a Switch is either. But apparently, the survey found that um, among non-gamers, only uh, let me see here, only seven percent knew what a Nintendo Switch was. <laughs> Uh, which is not much at all. So, I mean, just for some perspective, for example, uh, among non-gamers ages 13 and up, 52% of them knew what a PlayStation 4 was. 41% knew what an Xbox was. And here's the interesting thing. 9% of non-gamers even know what a PlayStation 4 Pro was. A PlayStation 4 Pro. Interesting. Yeah, 9%. And and below that, 7%, only 7% knew what a Nintendo Switch was. Um, 3%, 3% knew what an Xbox or Microsoft Scorpio was, which is even more obscure. Uh, but that's only yeah. a few percent below Nintendo Switch was a 7%. Um, well, and Scorpio hasn't even been released yet. That's no. not even the official name. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's the Nintendo Switch is, is not in good company and it's being, it's more, uh, it's less, it's more obscure than apparently a PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, but this is not terribly surprising. Um, uh, a lot of people have been not uh, sorry. I was in the when when before the switch came out, a lot of people were asking like, "Hey, who's picking up a switch? Do you, does anyone think I should pick up a switch?" Da 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 da. And I had commented on Facebook a few a few times like, "Hey, you should probably wait. I mean, this is not necessarily looking good. The launch doesn't look good. The 2017 lineup doesn't look good." And then. I got a ton of hate. People are like, no, man, you don't understand. If anyone can turn this around, it's Nintendo. Look what they did with the Wii. Da, 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 da. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. Uh, so uh, there weren't that many people <laughs> who were very critical of the Nintendo Switch. Everyone was just excited for it to come out. And it seems like uh, definitely among the hardcore, it's selling a lot. But mm-hmm. uh, among non-gamers, that's kind of problematic because uh, it's the non-gamer parents and things like that that are going to be gifting it to their kids and... Um, uh, I don't know. Even among young kids, I don't. I don't hear young kids at like church or something really talking about the Nintendo Switch or really care. Um, mm-hmm. So the takeaway I think is, uh, if you don't have a Switch, should you get one? I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, Nintendo might abandon this or plan on something else like they did with the Wii U. Uh, I don't know what this. How this doesn't bode well for the longevity longevity of the uh, the console. So um, I would wait until like. See how it does during the holidays. Maybe get a good, good deal during Black Friday or Christmas or something. And um, I might not get it until then. I might not get it until they release a virtual console for it, so I can play like Super Nintendo, Mario World, and things like that. But right, yeah. I mean, the last time, last time we talked about like PS4 exclusives, and Nintendo has their own set of exclusives. And like growing up, it was always all about. Super Smash and Zelda, etc. And I feel like a lot of the hardcore gamers are getting Switch mostly for like Breath of the Wild, um, mm-hmm. 
in a couple other games. But I feel like for me, because there's not many that I'm like that invested in that Nintendo's giving out, I just haven't picked it up. But also, it hasn't gotten the best reviews, and so I'm kind of just waiting to see if. Yeah, but you're right. There's not there's not that many games for it right now. They have Zelda, and then Mario at the end of the year. Everything else has been like porting from other systems or port, ports from the, mm. even the Wii U. Um, right. So Skyrim too is supposed to get Skyrim is just like what <laughs> ten years old now. I don't know something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you, you know it. It's interesting to me because I, I was really set on buying a Switch when it came out because of the potential I thought the system had. And to be honest, my wife and I both have 3DSs. I sold mine anticipating that I was going to buy a Switch on release. Yeah, and once I looked more into it. I really wasn't sold that it was going to be ready to go out of the box. I felt like they might need quite a few like firmware updates, maybe even a new a release of a more updated version before I picked it up and spent you know my hard-earned money on something that wasn't really fully flushed yet. Yeah. And also, most of the releases that I was interested in don't look like they're coming out until the tail end of 2018 anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I just put it off and. What I also find interesting, though, about this is I'm not really convinced of how valuable surveys like this are when they are related specifically to non-gamers. Because in my opinion, the just the classification of non-gamer is shrinking dramatically every day. And with the amount of money that's coming out of the gaming community and just the, the the huge part of the market that gamers make up I, I feel like it would be kind of ill-conceived for Nintendo to be too worried about this because I mean go ahead oh, sorry, sorry. Go, well it's, it's huge in the gaming community and I feel like some of the problems for Nintendo in the past has been hardcore gamers can get annoyed with them and mm. To, to see how popular it's become in gaming circles to me is a good sign, and I, I'm, I'm just I'm not sure what a non-gamer is anymore. <laughs> yeah. Is that somebody who doesn't play mobile games? Do you do you not own an yeah. iPad? Like what what is a non-gamer? Right. Yeah, it might it might be in the report, but I didn't look at the uh, the actual report to to see how they define non-gamer. But. Is Nintendo worried? Uh. I mean, they're not going to say if they are. <laughs> you, but you think they are? Well, a business. I know. I, I honestly, I don't know. No, I, a lot. No one really knows what Nintendo thinks. Like they're pretty crazy. They do crazy things all the time that do, that doesn't make sense. Um, I, I honestly <laughs> don't know if they're worried at all. I mean, just the fact that they came out uh, mid generation. Um, you know, only a few years after they released the Wii U, they wanted to do a refresh. Um, they came out mid-generation with, uh, I don't know, and, 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 and with a market that's being saturated by PlayStation 4 and Xbox already, um, who are they trying to get? Are they trying to get people who don't have a console, or are they trying to get people who have already have a PlayStation and Xbox and want that second console? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, I, I, I Honestly, I don't know. They, they've made a lot of interesting decisions, and they're crazy enough to... They might just be crazy enough to be successful. So who knows? Who really knows? Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea of the Switch. Yeah, yeah. it's cool I hardware think, for sure. Yeah. 
Nintendo's been good at making good party games and party consoles, which I feel like PlayStation is more of a single-player experience. Yeah. But, you know, I actually think that PlayStation and, and Xbox being more tied into single gaming and massive online gaming has really put them ahead of Nintendo in some ways because in a sense I feel like party gaming is becoming a thing of the past especially when you can hop into play online and yeah that makes sense and you know I remember being younger and having to buy multiple controllers so that me and all my friends could play together (laughs) and I've had a PS4 for years now. I have one controller, and I still play with my friends all the time. So there, there's some things where I notice with the Switch, if I were to pick it up early, mm-hmm. I would be paying for things that I didn't have to pay for for my PlayStation. I wasn't sure that I was going to have as much enjoyment out of it in that sense. Like, And, and also just like you know having to pay $70 for a Pro controller that actually fits my hand and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm just interested in how Nintendo keeps up because I, I, I frankly don't have the highest opinion of Nintendo. I'm not a fan of a lot of their games. I find them to stick way too hard to the past and make games that I find, and at times, kind of like intellectually unambitious. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, but I also love Pokemon. And oh, yeah. the new Mario game looks kind of wacky, and I, I want to give it a shot. I, I've kind of simmered down as I've gotten older and realized that you can just play a fun game in a platformer. But in general, Nintendo has seemed to lend itself to a type of social gaming that I don't really partake in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've all kind of grown out of that, right? The, the, the kind of like the core gaming generation and uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if it's being replaced by a younger generation or not of party gamers, but I don't know. All that to say, um, maybe wait, wait on the Switch, wait till, see how it does through the holidays, see, wait for the library to build out a little bit. But yeah, that's all I wanted to bring up to this week. Nice. Chelsea, what's your piece of news? Awesome. So my piece of news is not really in video games and the gaming industry, before I continue, is the sound okay, by yeah, the way? Yeah, you're good, you're good. It's a little bit better? Yeah, you sound good. Okay. Am I still good? Cool. Yeah, you're still a little bit... Uh, your volume's a little bit low, but it's okay. Sweet. So this article is titled, The Meaning of Life in a World Without Work. And so it's not really about the gaming industry or any kind of gaming news, um, but the article does talk about technology and... He relates um, some aspects of it to virtual reality and yeah, VR gaming. And so and it, basically what, what he's talking about is, um, you know, as technology is advancing, you know, we're pushing out people from, um, from jobs where they're no longer uh, employable because we have algorithms, we have technology that can do the work better. So we he have says- robots, robots putting people mm-hmm. out of work. Yeah. Right. I mean- I just went to the grocery store the other day, self-checkout, et cetera, you know, things like that. And he refers to these people kind of brutally as the useless class. Like if people who can't be, uh, not, they're not that they're unemployed, but that they're unemployable. Right, um, right. 
kind of brutal, um, but he says like, you know, what what are people going to do in a life without work? Um, because oftentimes, you know, work, you know, the things that we ascribe meaning to is, you know, like our jobs and um, what we do for a living and stuff. And so he says, well, it's likely that these people in this working in this non-working class now are going to be involved in like virtual reality and games. And that's how they're going to start spending their time. Um, and then he goes on to say, like, well, that kind of is something that people do already. And it, case in points, religion. Um, and so people kind of play like this virtual reality game of like, you know, if you like Muslim, this is a quote, Muslims and Christians go through life trying to gain points in their favorite virtual reality game. If you pray every day, you get points. If you forget to pray, you lose points. And if by the end of your life, you gain enough points, then after you die, you go to the next level of the game, a.k.a. heaven. Mm-hmm. So I think both of you read uh, the article, but I thought this was a really interesting um, discussion that this guy had on on games, on work, on um, even he goes on to say, like, you know, humans the, mean there is no scientific um, explanation for the human meaning of life. We create that meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he certainly talks about things that I, I never thought about. And, and the, the main thing being that uh, more and more uh, people are going to be put out of work because of robots and computers and uh, algorithms that can do the job better. Um, it's, and actually people are very concerned about robots taking jobs over. Um, but I, I never thought about like the fact that like, yeah, just be, eventually it's going to be come to a point where a certain group of people are going to be unemployable. So mm-hmm. what are they going to do for, how are they going to find meaning if many people find meaning in their work and in their careers? Um, right. very interesting idea though, that, that, that then people will just kind of pass the time in virtual reality or in games and things like that. Yeah. You know, I, I would find this more interesting, not to say that it wasn't interesting because I enjoyed the article, but these are discussions that people have been having throughout time. I mean, we have documented discussions about Greeks talking about similar things hmm. in, you know, 600 BC. So it, it's not necessarily a new idea. I think what, made his ideas stand out was that the way that he talked about it he didn't really vilify video games or virtual reality but he almost talked about it as as if someone who was like diagnosed with you know stage four cancer like looking towards like an inevitable like demise like like the tone of the article in some ways becomes like really just like just like almost like damp with like the feeling of like despair Hmm. and that's what i found so interesting about it is is the way that he was speaking about it as if this is already going to happen this has been concluded already and it's going to go that way but throughout time i mean even with the, the advent of cars and film and all of these other things that we've had come you know, particularly in the past 200 years. That put people out of work. To, exactly. They're supposed to put people out of work or bring an end to, you know, different types of, you know, family structure. They, they haven't really done that. They've shifted the way that things work and people have adapted in that direction. And 
Well, ha- has in in history has there ever been anything like uh, robots and the kind of technology that we have today? Because I mean, like I understand like cars kind of putting out like horse drawn carriages and carriage drivers out of business, but but cars weren't like ubiquitously putting everyone out of business, right? It wasn't also putting the blacksmith out of business. It also wasn't also putting out like the milkman out of business, but like robots and and supercomputers and just like efficient algorithms can put a, a range of jobs out of business. Is, is that, is that, no, something? you're right. That, that is entirely unique. I, I guess one of the things that I happen to be pessimistic about is the, the nature of the, the unemployed and how they will in large enough numbers respond. So I think if we ever mm-hmm. get to that point, there's going to be a lot of problems that will probably involve mass rioting and general societal breakdown. (laughs) But that also happens throughout history. Yeah. Okay. Rome fell and rebuilt, you know, the Prussia isn't a kingdom anymore, but people move on. Things change and you could, and we will defeat Skynet again and again. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, Uh, but, but you know, the point that I'm making is, if we do get to that point, then I'd imagine as a society, we'd be at a place to where a sense of altruism was a little bit more instilled to where we could kind of have, you know, the, the unemployable be involved in society in some way. Or mm-hmm. I think the unemployable will generally destroy society and kill everyone and will start back over again. Yeah. And I think we see that throughout history. And if you see some new takes on ancient history, this might have been going on, you know, for thousands of years longer than we originally thought. And to me, just the article focused so much on it just felt like he has a deep sadness inside of him to some extent. Like, were you guys picking up on that? Uh, I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, what about the other part of the article, which is like assuming let's assume he's right and that many people will be put out of out of work, um, but they're not just going to die. Obviously, they will have some minimum quality of living or minimum uh, ability to, uh, you know, to live. Um, but how, what do they do with their, their time and how do they find meaning and purpose? What do, what do you guys think about that part where he's like people are probably going to spend a lot of time playing video games? In uh, virtual reality games, not like as a hobby, but as as a as a way to pro- feel like they're progressing uh, a, a perpetual, ongoing game or virtual reality world. What do you guys think about that part? I was actually going to ask you guys that because he kind of he what he's saying is like, oh, what if people start living in these fantasy type virtual reality worlds as a way to like have meaning and. I know it's I think that's always been like a thing in a lot of different sci-fi <laughs> stories and and movies where VR becomes reality, you know, it's mm-hmm. you know, where people are encased in these games and that becomes their life. Um which or, I don't or think Wally, where where yeah. technology becomes the, you know, almost like slaves to this fat and lazy human mass. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I don't think it's totally unrealistic. Let's say we, re- we do reach that level of like, you put on the helmet and I am 
full body in this JRPG MMO, and I'm like moving around. My senses are actually interacting with the virtual world. That's for me. I feel like that's kind of like that's pretty cool. But I also feel like I could get sucked into that. I don't know. Yeah, Hard and to say. yeah, and for anyone who think who's like skeptical of like, oh, like are people just gonna live in these online worlds? Well, I, I thought he gave, he made very interesting points and gave examples of how like you know like to to someone to an outsider something might seem like like it's nothing like it there's no meaning to this there's there's nothing deeper but to folks who's uh who has like for example he talks about the uh balinese cockfighting um mm-hmm. th- this cockfighting is is so part of their culture there there's so many rituals and things invested into it that um it's not just a game it's not just a show to them it's uh, even when it was, it was made illegal, people kept doing it and risk being arrested because there's meaning to it for them. There, there's ritual, there's tradition, there's culture in it. Um, and that's just one of many points that he made that like you can ascribe meaning and purpose to something that to someone else is utterly useless and disposable. Um I think he made some pretty interesting points. Uh, I don't know if I don't agree with everything he said about religion, obviously, but um, made interesting points nonetheless. He, he did. It's just I felt like a lot of what he was saying was maybe I felt like there was an underlying sadness to it because it seemed that no matter what he was talking about, it seemed to be that he was indicating that it was futile in some way or mm-hmm or generally meaningless and granted you know we we come from a society where we like to ascribe meaning to things and i guess his argument is that meaning is non-existent it's just it's a complete human construction that we assign to things so maybe that's why i'm sensing he he certainly he certainly did he certainly did say that um but in the end did he did he basically say that's okay and that's normal or are you saying he's he's kind of like it's just he, 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 it's just man made it's just a social construct and therefore is meaningless see I, I felt like he didn't really give any answer to it and I felt that ambiguity is what made it sad hmm. it, it just felt like he was looking at society and the, these deep you know context behind all of these things we ascribe meaning to as just things that were happening that didn't really matter and that nothing mattered. And to me, reading the article just made me feel like this is a guy who just feels like nothing matters, nothing's important, and that his role is to observe and report on the things that we ascribe meaning to to ultimately reflect back upon their meaninglessness. Mm. And maybe that just made me sad, and I, and I put that onto him. But yeah, he sounds conflicted because in the end he says, well, in any case, the end of work doesn't necessarily mean the end of meaning because meaning is generated by imagining rather than by working. And then he goes on to his concluding thought is, but what about truth? What about reality? Hmm. Do we really want to live in a world in which billions of people are immersed in fantasies, pursuing make-believe goals, and obeying imaginary laws? Well, like it or not, that's the world we have been living in for thousands of years already. It's almost yeah, like this cathartic, 
process that he is like <laughs> jotting down of like of of what is meaning and what will people ascribe meaning to in a world of virtual reality and games and like is it just going to be another version of religion? Yeah, it almost seemed like a revelatory process for him when I was reading it. It felt like the more that he was writing, the more things he was thinking about and <laughs> kind of settled yeah, on yeah. the end, the conclusion that meaning won't end, but that meaning doesn't matter. That's that's what I took out of it. Hmm. And it, it, it just, my, my reaction to it was, like, oh man, that's, even if he's 100% entirely right, I, I would just choose not to believe that because that's such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that that's the reality people have to come to terms with. Uh, if if they don't be, if they don't believe in a higher power, uh, if they don't have a faith background, right? Is that in a sense, life is meaningless except for any meaning that you ascribe to yourself that you come up with. And for some people, they feel like that's enough. Uh, but I feel you, Matt. I, feel, I mean, that that would seem, that would also feel, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like as, and as a Christian too, like it is a common misconception of seeing, seeing um, our faith as, as a game of, you know, of gaining points and leveling up when in reality it's this one messy, non-linear experience knowing God and being in a relationship with, with Jesus, um, in a community of, of people who also mess up and try to figure out this life thing rather than a, a game of, of like, yeah, it's always not, right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is the most common misconception, right? Is, I mean, it does, I, I think many religions do sound like a game where, where many religions have, you have to, uh, follow a certain set of rules and you there there's a way to obtain enlightenment or nirvana or a better afterlife um but uh you know christianity is the only one that is probably not game like in that it's a game that you can't win <laughs> yeah, yeah right uh yeah, and i guess yeah. i guess the gospel message is uh you can't win this game it's impossible and it's spelled clearly for you throughout the game that you cannot win and uh the game designer comes in and wins it for you and basically gives you a free life basically yeah. <laughs> right it's like and he, that's, he, a, that's <laughs> a like that's a cool story but you know i when i think about it in the lens of the article that he's writing right well he doesn't see I that could, he doesn't know that right no he does but one, one of the, i guess one of the things i'm saying is like that's how we look at it right but yeah I could see how after seeing what's happened throughout history to, you know, generations of people and especially to see the way that a lot of things in these religions play out like a an end game where everybody dies that's not of that particular religion. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I see how it works in this direction. And I think maybe I was reflecting my sadness and reading it back onto the author because... I guess if I, I guess if the meaning that we ascribe to faith led to a, a kind of like a net gain of more joy 
and goodness to others than pain, which historically I don't think it has, then I, I don't know that articles like this become as poignant. So maybe that's where I'm coming from. And no, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I reflected I, on that. No, totally. I mean, uh, I, most religions are merit based. Um, I, I love to hear examples of a religion that isn't merit based. Uh, that I, I mean, I only know of Christianity not being merit based. Um, but I totally get you. Like, yeah, historically, it does seem like that, right? That that Christians uh, live a merit based faith, and and even today, we still, as much as um, we know, it's not based on merit, but on 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 grace, on a gift. Uh, we still live our faith out in a very. Uh, in a meritocracy, basically, so uh, it, it is hard. It's it's human nature for us to, and maybe 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 in the West anyway, in America, it feels even our faith it feels like a, a meritocracy at times. Um, so I, I I'm not surprised that, I'm, and I would totally expect for him to write this article and and frame religion in that way. So right, and I think that's why I kind of reacted with the feelings that I did because I wish that. I wish that that wasn't the case, but I know that it is. Yeah. And and it can be hard being a person from within the faith looking from the outside in and agreeing with a lot of what the guy said. Totally, yeah. yeah. Right. At least for me, speaking for myself. Yeah. I think I finally understand a little bit more of what you're saying with, with a sense of sadness with the author even and kind of feeling that from what he's saying. Because it is sad. I mean, I mean, the article is not in any way, um, which for one, I thought that the article wasn't clickbaity at all. Um, Agreed. It was like a very, yeah, it was a very like honest um, thought process of 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 what I don't know how people try to find meaning in life, and unfortunately, it's you know from looking from the outside in, there's a lot of reasons why people don't choose. Christianity, um, for the sake of not playing into to another game. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'll go so far as to say that I, I wish more people from faith backgrounds wrote articles like this. I, I really appreciated his contemplation on meaning. Like I, I felt like I learned a lot from this article, more about myself and how I reflect upon meaning and how it affects me. So, yeah, I thought this was a great choice. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, all around, all around, still, still a great article, still a great think piece, and uh, definitely got me thinking about uh, things I never, I hadn't considered before. So, quick shout out to you can edit out this pause. Shout out to <laughs> Ashley Ann for sharing the article on the Facebook page. Oh, nice. Yeah. Shout out, Ashley. <laughs> Keep sending, right, artic- so, keep sending articles our way. How about that? Yeah, we. this is great. We'll talk about it. Makes yeah, for great we, we honestly read almost all of them, if not all of them. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. But Matt, you said you had uh, something that kind of related to, to this article. Yeah. Or well, kind of connecting a thoughts for you. Yeah. So I, I thought this article connected in ways to the article I chose this week. And it was about uh, the... Uh, the game, uh, what is it? Player Unknown's Battleground, uh, and, and it's. Are you guys familiar with the game? It's a Steam game. I I just I keep seeing it pop everywhere. 
it's another battle royale type game, right? That's correct. And it so, kind of, it so, kind of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it it um, took over or dethroned the the previous battle royale game, which was um, was it H one Z one or is it another one? I, I think it was H one Z one or like Day Z one of those zombie ish names. Yeah, Z yeah. games. Yeah. Well. So what was interesting and what drew me to this article was, number one, I started looking at the game this week and I got really interested in it. I, I like the idea. You, you have 100 players starting in a battleground, but over time it shrinks down from the size of like a citywide map to like the size of a soccer field. It's basically the Hunger Games. Exactly. Oh, it's the Hunger Games in a video game. And... <laughs> Yeah, and you're 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 wandering around searching for weapons. It has a lot of similar themes as the Hunger Games, except with no real backing story. And I got really interested in it. I was actually watching a couple of players on. Uh, wow, why am I totally mind farting the name of that thing I watch all the time? Um, what is the name of the thing I watch people play games on? Twitch. That is very popular. Twitch. Twitch. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I, I, yeah, sorry, Twitch. I love you. You guys are great. Um, but I was watching a couple of folks on Twitch play it, and it just it looked really great. And so I decided, hey, for this week's article, I'm going to look up some news on on uh, Battlegrounds and see what we could talk about it. And the first thing I saw was that some folks put together a charity event based around some of the top gamers in the world playing uh, PUBG. And PUBG. It's way easier than Player Unknown's Battleground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's call it PUBG. So so some PUBG. folks got together and they got a lot of players to play uh, PUBG, and they were actually doing it for charity. And it's mm-hmm. for a charity that buys console systems for children's hospitals, which is so awesome to me. Cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so the, this specific charity will bring PS4s, Xbox Ones, and put them in children's hospitals so kids have something to do. Especially no Nintendo Switch. They don't know what that is. Yeah, they, oh, they don't. Wow. Do it. <laughs> also, like one kid's totally going to just walk away with the Switch and play it all day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, I think they raised something like $200,000 for the charity. And one of the worries that people had was that it would be hard to be invested in the game. Because with 100 people, how do you know who to follow? Right. And one of the ways that they solved that was by having commentators who were able to focus on key competitors and different storylines that were going on throughout the game. And so it seemed to function a lot like an actual sport, which I love when esports are able to do that, when they get the real Mm. sporting feel to it. And, you know, people got so invested in, I forget the name of the player, but he lost his partner very early on in the map. And he made it to the final three against a team of two. And he ended up losing. And everybody was just wrapped up in his story. Hmm. And all the while, they were making money for charity. And I felt like that was a good contrast to the article Chelsea you know, brought forth. Was that, hey, maybe if we all were in a virtual world, who, who's to say that we're not you know, playing games and earning money in our spectator esports? to help kids in the real world with cancer get game consoles or, you know, who's, and just the, the social aspect of it, to see mm-hmm. that people were gathering together and being emotionally connected to someone 
who's in a sense playing in a virtual reality. And to me, yeah. it was an encouraging thing to read after having read Chelsea's article, which made me feel kind of bummed out. And seeing this, to see people, number one, to see gamers give to charity means a lot to me because I feel like the gaming community is often framed as these like lazy, selfish people that sit in their parents' mm-hmm. basements and play games and they care about themselves, blah, blah, blah. But esports isn't... It's not like that, and we're seeing that esports athletes, for lack of a better word, are in yeah. a lot of ways like real athletes. Yeah. And they they do training, and they actually do try to stay in shape. Now they have to get outside, and we're finding out all of these things about esports. And at the same time, we're learning those things. We're finding out that this game is something that's interesting to people. People got invested in it, and all the while they were doing something for the benefit of sick children. And to me, that, that was gaming at its best. And that's what makes me love this community because, you know, granted, 90% of my time in the community is being called homophobic slurs on, like, <laughs> online games. Oh, but to see the best of what we could do in a community in tournaments like this and to see how games can draw people together and... and introduce new interests to people who might not have been interested before yeah was really encouraging to me yeah and i think i mean the, so some of the coolest examples of it too is like one a community like i know a lot of times online communities are not necessarily the state of spaces because it's so easy to, to cyber bully when you have anonymity but i think some of the the coolest examples of of uh, online communities are when they start to police themselves and i don't mean to use like the word police police but like if someone's like calling you a homophobic slur, like someone else is going to be like, dude, like they'll, someone else will stand up for you. Right. It's like, this is not the community we want. We don't want a community where we're like shunning outsiders or new people with homophobic slurs. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, it is cool to, to see, uh, examples like this where, where games are engaging people and doing something for the greater good. Maybe the future un- unemployable group will be, become esport athletes. <laughs> I know, yeah. And so that these huge charity organizations and and they're not so unemployable at all. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a Hunger Games where nobody dies and we all get to be entertained. So booyah article. <laughs> the unemployable are our new super athletes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be funny if there's like a, a new economy that happens in like in virtual reality for the unemployed. And then there's a subset of that where you're unemployable in the physical world and you're also unemployable in virtual reality. Oh, yeah, man. and then That'll people are like walking by and flipping you doge coins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, that, that's a great article, Matt. It's it's always great seeing esports like have a, a good impact on, um, I don't know, yeah. on the people other than themselves. Yeah, and it seems like this is becoming more of a norm in esports as they're fighting to become recognized as sports and they're getting the same numbers and viewership and now they're starting to do the other type of community outreach things that we see happen in the major sports. And I yeah. think that's a great direction to go. And the, the cool thing is too about, um, I think, esports is that I feel like they're more conducive to charity events and I feel like people are more ready and willing to give up uh prize money for for charity uh you know what i mean like yeah. I, I know traditional sports have charity drives and charity games and stuff too but it's, but it's not as often right uh 
I feel like that the gaming community, because I guess they're, they're, they're inherently they're, they're, they already enjoy what they're doing and they're not yet, um, accustomed to being professional in the sense that you're like paid in the millions of dollars to do what you do. I feel like the gaming community in general is, is, is more prone to being altruistic and hosting or participating in charity events. Um, so maybe that's the future of esports is, is, is less, less pro athletes being paid in the millions and more charity events. Um, and everyone just kind of having like sponsors to be able to do what they do. But, uh, but that would be cool. Uh, if people can tap into this and, and, well, I, awesome. I think I think both will exist because the culture of tipping is really what keeps things like Twitch alive, and we see people yeah, it's very making, interesting. Yeah, a great living off of a culture of tipping, and like it's already hard enough for people. It's hard enough for people to to understand why someone would watch a Twitch streamer, why someone would watch um, someone else play a video game, but it's even harder for them to understand why people are giving and donating money to these streamers. Like, how are people that, like, generous? It's a very interesting thing. But it's super common now. Not it just is very common. Twitch, but with, you know, other... There's, like, podcasters, so I forget the name of the system they use. Patreon. But people... Yeah, Patreon. Mm-hmm. Folks will use Patreon to give to a podcast. Man, and, yeah, we need Patreon. We, we need to get... We need, we need to make this podcast more sustainable, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, no. It, it's all good. But it's it just... It's been encouraging for me because... I'm seeing the type of culture I wish I saw in a lot of aspects in my life coming out in the gaming community. I love when I'm watching a Twitch stream and I see somebody give give a guy like 15 bucks and just say, hey, you know, I, I was having a bad day today and I really had a great time watching you play, you know, Forza Motorsports. <laughs> and that that's cool because, you know, there's so few places in life where it's appropriate to just walk up and say, hey, man, here's five bucks. You really made my day. And, and you can do that in esports. And mm-hmm. I think that's also a great way because it's a non-greedy way of giving. And so if you have esports charity events, you're not asking people for 20 bucks or to buy some $39 pink NFL hat where like 11 cents will go to breast cancer awareness. But you're, you know your money is going somewhere and mm-hmm. you really get to monitor it. And I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get on that ourselves. <laughs> Everything. Twitch, Patreon, YouTube live streams, all of it. Facebook Live, Facebook Story, which apparently... Periscope, everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, guys, my phone's at 2%, so Uh-oh. we could wrap up with what we've been playing. <laughs> sure, yeah. Let's wrap, yeah any, uh, any notable games this week that you guys want to shout out? I got nothing, so all you guys. Injustice 2 is coming out. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Injustice Gods Among Us series, it's an alternate universe in the DC universe where Superman becomes evil. And this is a carrying on of the first game, and it has to do with post-Superman's downfall, uh, fighting Brainiac, who's coming to take over Earth. Mm -hmm. So it looks great. Uh, the combat system is very fluid. They have a great gear system for when you win battles. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it. To be honest, I'm going to wait until the inevitable deluxe version comes out because <laughs> it'll be $10 cheaper and I'll get all the DLC. Yeah, all so the extra gonna characters. I'm going to hold off for like six months and get a cheaper, better version. But if you guys want to pick it up now, 
then you can. But I would suggest you go with my wait six months away. <laughs> yeah, it does look super cool. Uh, my shout out is uh, this game called Static. Uh, S-T-A-T-I-K. It's a PlayStation VR game. Uh, it's just a good example of, of a game that understands the limitations, the current limitations of VR. It doesn't try to do anything crazy, like have you walk around an entire open world. Um, but it's just, you just have, you just play on a PlayStation 4 controller and in the VR headset, it looks like to you, it looks like, uh, your hands are trapped in a box and, um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And because you're holding onto the PlayStation 4 controller, the illusion is very, very, the, the illusion is really very, um, strong. It's very good. Um, because you just, it's one-to-one, uh, motion, right? So it looks like your hands are trapped inside of a box and the whole game is just like, solve the puzzles all you can when you start any level you just start mashing all the buttons to see what they do and um eventually you start to like understand what some of the mechanics on the box are what some of the gears do and you just gotta look at your surroundings look at the box and just figure it out it's a very bare bones puzzle game but i think it uses vr very well it's one of those games where you can kind of only do in vr um so it's cool check it out um nice. that's all i got thanks for listening guys uh hit us up on twitter we're at uh, our twitter handle is hyphen gaming dlc um send us articles you know send us things to talk about ask us questions we would love to talk to you guys on twitter and facebook and things like that um and if you guys really want to help us out give us five stars on itunes that'll be cool <laughs> um, that would be sweet yeah but other than that we'll see you guys uh next week for a DLC episode and a regular episode in two weeks, uh, as usual. Nice. Love you guys, meaning the fans, but also you too. Yeah. (laughs) I always enjoy talking to you guys and hearing your perspective on things. Yeah, it's a blast. Yeah. See you guys. Have a good Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. It'll be Tuesday by the time they hear this, but y'all understand. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go back into the house and plug into the the charger. Yeah, sorry, man. No, it's all good. All right. See you guys later. All right. Bye, bye guys. Later, guys. Bye. Oh, here's my family. Also, Jenny. <laughs> bye, fam. <laughs>listening you guys uh we'll see you guys next week for a dlc episode uh but in the meantime you guys can always follow us on twitter we just got a new twitter account for the podcast it's at hyphen gaming dlc and uh another thing you guys can do for us is um give us a rating on itunes that'll help us out a lot Uh, so thanks a lot guys and uh see you guys soon